Welcome back to the Principal Leadership Lab, a podcast experience created for you by two public school administrators. Without further ado, let's join Jeff and Adam in this week's episode. Hey, Adam, welcome back, man, to the Principal Leadership Lab. How you doing? Doing fine. How are you? All right. All right. I'm so excited to be back again. Again, what a great week. Getting ready for uh, school. We're getting closer. Are you guys ready? Huh, ready? I know I'm not sure about ready. I think we have four different reentry plans for the school year. Yeah. And currently, our county is at a red level for COVID 19. So it's not looking good, but okay. we are going to be as ready as possible because we have some great people sur- surrounding us on, in our team. I think that's, I think that's what, you know, that, that's, that's what everyone's ready for, right? You know, you, you know, you've got the right people on the bus, you know, you're driving forward. Uh, you, you know that you can trust them and, and, and you just go, you just go. That's what we do. That's what educators do. We just, no we just go. So I'm, I'm thrilled uh, for this week's episode of principal leadership lab. We have a very special guest. If you are ready to learn like a rock star, then you are going to be ready for this guy. His name is Hal Bowman. He teaches like a rock star. Hal, how you doing, buddy? Man, I talk about going back to school. I live in Houston today, just a minute, few minutes ago, as we were um, kind of getting, a, getting this thing launched. We got, our, we got word that here's how we're starting the year. No school until September 8th. Then we're going to go six weeks fully online, and they're going to reassess on October 16th. Wow. wow. That's one of the largest school districts in the nation. And man, dude, dude, let me tell you real quick. The other thing I was going to tell you is um, there's been some county judges here in Texas, and they've taken the decision out of the superintendent. They thought it was too much pressure. And they, I, forget, I don't know what kind of law or court order they passed, but they no school allowed until September 8th huh. in some of wow. these counties. Well, in Wisconsin, that's very similar, we, but it's not new. We can't start until after Labor Day weekend or the first Tuesday after Labor Day. So whatever that, that comes to be a reality. So that's every year for us. So when does Texas normally start school? It's not September 8th. Yeah, man, we are a mid-August kind of kind of state, and we and pretty much everyone lines it up with agriculture, and, um, and it just kind of seems easier that way, I think. But we know we still have a couple of rogue districts that go a uh, full year. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, and I'm in Illinois. And so uh, we are we are getting ready and um, districts are, are doing various things. But um, at the high school level where I'm at, you're going to see a very consistent theme of, of districts looking at the A, B model and A day, B day model, trying to reduce those numbers at the high school level, um, you know, where some of those schools are 1500 kids and, and more, as you know. So it's important that we try to get those numbers down to try to, and, and uh, make sure that we are hitting CDC guidelines. So we're going to do it. We're going to be ready no matter what. And we're always middle of August. So we are ready. Middle of August. Here we come one month from now, right? Or so. Ready. <laughs> yep. No doubt. So, hey, Hal, um, let's get into this thing a little bit. I mean, I mean, I remember, I don't know if I told you this, um, but I remember a few years ago when I was elementary principal. And a couple of my teachers brought this flyer to me in my office. And, and, and on the top of the flyer, it said, teach like a rock star. And they said, Jeff, we want to do this. 
we want to teach like rock stars. And I was like, <laughs> they're, they're first grade teachers. And I'm like, I don't know. It, sound, it sounds great. You know, I don't know. I got to, I have to, let me check it out. Cause a lot of these things are hoax, you know, and, yeah. and you, you never know what, what you can trust and what kind of PD you can trust. And so how I sent them to this thing. And, really? and, and, and from the time that you and I have been talking for the last couple months or so, um, I, I didn't realize it was you. <laughs> I didn't realize that that's me, brother. like a rock star was you. So I've been sending teachers year. This was a, this was probably 10 years ago to yeah. this teach like a rock star professional development. I mean, let's just, let's just get into that for a little bit. I mean, how, how did that whole thing get started? I mean, what was the catalyst for that? Because you've been in education for a long time, not, not in the classroom anymore, but you've been in education for a long time. Yeah, man, for sure. I've been around since in this game since the late eighties, early nineties. And, you know, I started out as a band director doing that thing and teaching music in, in elementary schools and high school band. And in Texas, it's really, really super competitive just because of football and, um, and just high stakes. And it just, you know, it just, I realized at some point in those first few years, it just wasn't for me because you were really limited to the number of kids and the kinds of kids that we can teach because these are kids that have to be able to afford an alto saxophone and afford the lessons and be at after school rehearsals and before schools. And so I just wanted to teach um, some different kinds of kids, lots of different kinds of kids. And I, um, and also in the band director world, when it's that competitive, there's not a lot of teaching going on. There's a lot of uniform activity and, and band boosters and travel and raising money and, and so I went into the classroom and I started teaching biology and well, <laughs> I wouldn't call it teaching. Um, I was like sponsoring a biology class. I don't want to insult any biology teachers by calling what I was doing teaching. And then I taught some uh, English and language arts. I'm the master at passing that certification test. And then I taught some mentoring programs and some leadership programs. And I finished up also uh, teaching uh, some, some really challenging kids that were coming back to our school from an alternative learning placement. And, um, and it was, it, these are rough kids. These are, I mean, a lot of these kids have criminal records. A lot of these were in their late teens coming in as a freshman. Had they haven't, they've been institutionalized for a long time. And, um, and we had a great time. The whole goal was to cut down on that recidivism rate for going back to alternative learning school or boot camp and get them connected with somebody and to feel a part of something bigger than themselves. And that was the class, man. We call it, um, <laughs> we call it Bowman's Dirty 30 because we always had 30 of those animals in there and they loved it. <laughs> It, man and I had a lot of administrators who loved what we were doing and loved to come watch and see the connections we were making with the kids and with each other and one of those administrators went to teach at a school and she said we have lots of those kids those challenging personalities over here would you please come tell my teachers what you do and how you do it and I did I went over there and, and, it, and it was awesome and then another principal called and another principal called and and before I knew it, man, it was just this thing was growing and happening. And then I came and back then I call this thing legendary teaching. It was all about having this yeah. legacy of an impact. And they would see this this dude with his all this hair and then this crazy research based stuff and just didn't line up. It just wasn't congruent for people in their minds. And we changed the name to teaching a rock star and the thing blew up and took off. And, and I've been on the road for like over a decade now, um, taking this thing around the nation. And it's all about, you know, helping that teacher be the one, helping that teacher become the, 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 that, that educator they've always wanted to be, who the kids are talking about still to this day, 30 and 40 years later. And how do we make that happen in our classrooms? How do we use the content of our classroom 
to have that lifelong impact on the hearts and the minds of our kids. What's the lowest level that you ended up teaching at? Because it seems like you have a pretty broad spectrum of experience. Yeah, dude, I was K through 12, man. And, um, yeah, K was at the very beginning. I had no idea what I was doing. I'm telling you, the first, that was the first class I ever taught. And it was in a tiny little town and I showed up and they said, Hey, cause in a town, not only are you, just cause you sign up to teach one thing that ain't all you're teaching. And I was, um, the band director. I taught, um, I was a seventh grade girls PE coach, basketball coach. I was, I taught Spanish. And I didn't speak Spanish, but they didn't care. And, and, uh, but it was South Texas. They all spoke Spanish, but me. So it worked out. And, um, and I taught K and, uh, as well and taught KPE. And that first day, that was my first class I ever taught. And they told me to take them down to the gym and do some PE. And I said, all right, let's go kids. And I ended up with about a third of the class because I was just walking. I didn't know you're supposed to line them up and take inventory and count them. (laughs) (laughs) We lost a few, but we found them. It was a small town. There's nowhere to go. I don't think they call it inventory anymore. (laughs) They moved on to something more appropriate. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So you're telling me that all you had to do was change the name. And because you had long hair at the time, by the way, you our guests can't see you, but you have no hair now. No, man, I'm built for speed now. <laughs> That's what I say all the time. Same thing. <laughs> Brother, I'm looking at you. You ain't built for speed. <laughs> <laughs> Rick it is, though. Do you see those mile times on the, the men and Ed? Yeah, I yeah, do. yeah. Under 90 yeah. miles? Jeez. Yep, yep. Yeah, man, you know what it was? It was just so confusing for teachers. And all I know is this, man. I wanted to create something that they saw it and they knew it was going to be different because I don't know if you've ever attended PD, but typically it is not great. And I wanted them to see the flyer, see, see something online, see me and think, man, this is unlike anything I've ever seen before. I don't know what that guy talks about, but I want to go find out. And when they get in there, you know what it is, man, is they find the answer that they've been searching for. Like every teacher deep down inside wants to be the one that had that lifelong impact using our, like we all want to be the teacher that we had and we talked about and we remember. And when they find that information and they discover that, man, it is um, to see them empowered and to see, and it's just like this euphoria takes over. I'm like, this is what I've been searching for. So So what is that to, well, just slow slow down, Jeff. I got a question. Go ahead. You got it. Go, go. (laughs) So you're talking about uh, creating a a PD plan or a, a PD session with teachers. What is it that, so first of all, we can, we can probably draw a picture or paint a picture of what it is that we don't want to attend. Because I think everybody in the world, whether it's a banker or a teacher, any PD, we all know what those bad situations look like. What would it look like from Hal Bowman's standpoint that uh, they're going to be able to walk away with a memory of becoming a legendary teacher or a rock star teacher? What does that look like for them? Man, as, as simple as it sounds, it's really built on a few principles. And that is helping them dig down deep into the emotion of what is it that we really want for our kids as a result of them spending their lives with us, the most influential adult that they'll ever have. If there could be one thing, what's the real lesson and helping them find that articulate that just not just discover it, but to articulate it clearly and then and, and, and move forward with that as the goal. You know, people think, you know, before we get on here, Jeff and I were talking about this idea of motivation. And for me, motivation happens when, a teacher gets clarity with what they want, what their purpose is in their classroom. And that is what fills them with the passion to make it happen. 
And I think that is one of the keys. And we dig in down into why we're in there. Like why these kids, why this subject, why this school family of all the schools I could teach at, why did I, why am I staying with this family and who do I need to be for my kids? You know, if all that's really going to happen, like what I want for my kids and why I'm there, that's fun to talk about. But if we're not that person to, can, that can deliver it, none of it matters. Wow, that's powerful. Adam, that was a much better question than what I was going to ask because all I wanted to know was like what kind of music you walk out to. <laughs> right. When those participants walk into that room, what, what do you have blaring on the, on the radio? I know you got something. Yeah, it's a lot going on, man. And um, <laughs> it's everything. You know, it, you know, as a product of the most embarrassing decade of all the 80s, you know, there's a lot of that happening. I mean, there's not much, there's not a decade with more shame associated than Some good stuff. Oh, <laughs> poison! Yeah, right. <laughs> the, the, the speaking of embarrassment, and um, yeah, so there's a lot going on. But um, you know that that you're right, man. When they walk in, that's another thing. When they come into the conference room at the hotel, you know, I want them to feel what is going on. That is really loud, you know. And just be, just because I want there to be a sh a little bit of a shock. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Where this isn't, you know, this isn't grandma's PD. This is something new. This is something different. It's going to be funny. It's going to be emotionally engaging. There's a ton of laughter. There's a ton of tears. And, and there might be an accidental, you know, bad word here and there because of passion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the end of the you know, we, we we walk away and I truly believe that the teachers are on a, a different trajectory in their profession. Good, good. In, in the content areas, so when people come in and they're saying in one of your sessions, are there specific content areas that are more difficult to move from the old way to the Hal Bowman way? You know, I don't think so, man. Like, I, here's what they always say, you know, and when, like, especially when I go to a school district, I'll, you know, they'll give me the all secondary first. Okay, we're going to get this one out of the way. You know how they are. And I'm thinking that's how you think they are. But you know what, man, this job is way too hard. It, there's something in each and every one of those teachers. I don't care if they're teaching first grade or if they're teaching AP physics two for triple college credit. There, that, that is, this is such a hard career that there's some, there's a cell still alive within that teacher that they want to be that person and they want to be the one that loves kids relentlessly. And they, and I know it, man, like they want to be the one that's able to push past the point where everyone gave up on a kid. Like that's the moment that real teaching begins. And that's one of the things we talk about is how do we restructure that in our minds? So when we get to that point where we're crazy frustrated for most people, that triggers the quit. Okay, I'm done. You're out. Go to the office. Sit in the hallway. Whatever. That, but for for my teachers, that triggers the emotion of, oh my gosh, I'm there. This is the starting line. This is the moment he was talking about when everybody gave up on this kid. I am here, and now the work can begin. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I I, I you know I, I know of dual credit, but not not AP for triple credit. That, <laughs> well, man, maybe, maybe that's yeah, a thing. Wisconsin. <laughs> they can come up with that. I love that idea. AP for triple credit. I'm taking that class if I can get a triple credit. Yeah. Hey, Hal, you 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 know you are. I don't know if you want to use the word that you are billed as or you are known for. Um, but you know what? When people think of Hal Bowman or when they see you um, or they look on your website, you know you are. You know you call yourself an educational speaker, you call yourself a consultant. Um, and now 
we're kind of in a different time, right? We, we've got this, this pandemic going on, COVID. How do you lead? What, 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 what's, what's going on with you uh, while, while COVID is here as an educational speaker, as a consultant? This, this has had to change your game a little bit, right? For sure. And here's what's interesting. You know, um, I think people think that we need to get away um, from the foundation. You know, this is, I'm doing a session this coming um, this weekend with uh, hundreds of principals online. And for it's the same thing. This is what we need the foundation more than ever. Yes, teachers are concerned and there's a ton of apprehension about PPE and protective. And am I going to teach online? Am I going to teach in person or hybrid combo of the two and A day and B day? Yeah, they're concerned about all that, but what they really need from their school leaders right now is a rock solid foundation for those principals to facilitate the conversation that they're desperate to have. And again, it's, listen, we might be online, we might be in person, but let's talk about what we want for our kids. As a result, at the end of this entire experience, that these kids were going to talk about forever, they're going to talk about COVID. They're going to talk about that school year of 19 and 20 and 20 and 21 for the rest of their lives. Who do we want those kids to become as a result of this experience? Because that's the fuel, man. Like I'm telling you right now, the teachers are already grinding and we haven't even started. And, the, and, and that grind, I'm all about the hustle and grind, except it's going to burn out. But when, when we provide our educators with the fuel that they need for purpose and passion, and that is, again, identifying what they want for the kids, why and who they need to be, that's the fuel that lasts the school year. That's good stuff, man. That's- you know, uh, I'm preparing. We have a, a hybrid approach for graduation taking place this Saturday. And when I take time to reflect on what this class has in front of them, they were born around September 11th of 2001. Our country's been at war ever since they've been born. And then they end their high school career short, three quarters. You know, they finish the year one quarter short and in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. So perhaps this generation of graduates is going to hold the answer for the cure for cancer. I mean, this group has grit built into them. So I don't know what's going to hold, what, what their future holds, but they're, they're a different breed of cat, no doubt. Yeah, man. I think this is a time for kids and our teachers where, you know, as leaders, you know, uh, you know, we know that this year is going to be interesting. It's going to be different. And as, and we know what that means really, that means it's going to be challenging, but as leaders, we thrive on change and we thrive on challenge because we know when things are hard and when things are difficult, it's in those moments of adversity that we are able to, we are, we have the opportunity to grow into more of what our teachers and what our kids need. But for lots of people, most people, most kids, most teachers, they don't like to change. They, they, not, not especially not this kind of change. And that is why now more than ever, they need that foundation of knowing that we're there for them. We care for them and to, and for, to tell them that we love them, that we're proud of them and we believe in them enough until we can, you know, they can believe in themselves. You know, one of the things that I've noticed uh, in prepping for anything at the high school, and this is only my second year at the high school, but our parents are concerned about their children's future at this level more than, at least in my experience, more than they are at the other levels. Maybe it's just because they feel like the end is near and they're approaching their senior year and they're going to be going on to the big bad world, college, and maybe the workforce or whatever may be in store for them. And I think that uh, this kind of change isn't as 
monumental for our students as it is for the adults because it's so different. It's not what I graduated from, but these students are taking it in stride. Everyone that I've talked to, you know, well, one of them being my son, but I'm going to take it with a grain of salt, you know, and hey, hey, Cole, what do you think? You know, how did this year go? Um, well, dad, if, um, if I had to choose to stay home in the fourth quarter or go to school, I'm going to stay home. Well, obviously you don't understand the bigger impact of school right now. So, you know, but our kids are taking it in stride. And I think that encourages me to make sure that we have a platform that's consistent for what they need to succeed, whether we're in person or in the building or some other approach. I think our kids are, are ripe for whatever it is we'll provide them. They'll, they'll rise to the occasion with the right attitudes and relationships that we have with them. And you know what, man, what I have seen is for those educators that have built those relationships with those kids, it has never been more apparent than it is right now. Unfortunately, on the flip side, for those educators that have not built the relationships with those kids, school pretty much ended when kids went home because kids weren't getting online for their class. Kids weren't attending Zooms. Kids weren't doing the packet. Kid, nothing. I got to tell you, man, the other thing for me in the, um, what I hope, I know it has been drowned out a little bit lately in the media, but what we have all seen, man, is um, that you see some amazing things when you provide educators with an opportunity and we get out of the way. You know, yeah. when this whole started for the vast majority of schools with whom I work, they, they, they weren't given a lot of direction. They weren't given a lot of instruction. They were just kind of given this blank slate of opportunity to make a difference in the lives of kids, continue educating them. Here are some kids that have laptops here. There's some kids that don't. We have, you know, Chromebooks over here. That, and to watch these, these schools go to work, especially in some of the smaller communities, to watch superintendents on school buses, wiring school buses with hotspots, and I'm parking them all over the county to try to relay Wi-Fi to kids with Chromebooks, to go in to find kids where they really live, out in the rural communities, in trailers, and in campers, and to, and to keep their district employees actually employed by yeah. delivering meals, thousands upon thousands of meals and in, in miles from the school. Dude, it is, it is absolutely inspiring. Uh, absolutely. That's, that's good stuff, Hal. I mean, you, you, you know what, you, you talked about at one point, you, you know, you and I had a conversation, you talked about, um, you know, the, this concept of, of you're the teacher, no matter what your role is in the schoolhouse, right? Yeah. You're the teacher. I mean, talk a little bit more about, about that. I mean, you, you were talking about everyone, not just a classroom teacher. And I think this is important and goes to the, that conversation about those emotional connections with kids. You know, man, everybody has the question, you know, because I just, you know, I just have the, the fortune of traveling around the nation and finding these amazing schools, what I call the outliers. I mean, these are the schools that are beyond, they're just, I mean, they're just the, at the level at which they perform, despite all the odds. I mean, I can show you schools on the Texas-Mexico border, in the Appalachian Mountains, and in the, in the most uh, rough neighborhoods downtown that are getting exceptional results. And they have the most unemployment, the most poverty. They have the highest rate of divorce, the highest rate, of, you know, I mean, meth is a huge problem for lots of districts and opioids. And yet people want to know, oh my gosh, how are they able to do it? And there's a couple of things. One is that every, everybody, everybody in school, everybody in every, every adult in every position is convinced that they are a teacher. And that is we all have different 
job titles. There are dozens of job titles within the school, but they are all convinced that they share the same exact role. And that is to make a difference in the lives of kids. So that school secretary knows that front office, that's her classroom. And when, we, and when she has kids in front of her, she's there to teach. Whatever the lesson that may be that day, it might be a lesson on patience or it might be a lesson on love or compassion or organization or time management. This is an opportunity to teach. Same thing with teachers in a traditional classroom, the custodian in the hallway, the, the, uh, the, the, the workers in our food service area and serving kids. Those, they, they are convinced 100% that they're teachers. And brother, here's the second thing I was going to tell you, man, the, the other, there's two things these schools have in common. Here's the second one. Every adult... 100% in these amazing schools, every single person is convinced that they are solely individually responsible for school culture. All of them. They are convinced that the, the, the vibe of this tribe is completely and only up to me. So when the geometry teacher or the third grade teacher, whatever, is getting out of her car and she's walking across the parking lot, she's thinking, okay, it's my job to make this place amazing. It's my job and my job only. When everybody on campus thinks that in every position, school nurse, you know, the, the instructional specialist, the tech guy, they all think that that's when these amazing moments of transformation happen. Wow. I, I love what you said there. Um, the vibe of this tribe is up to me, right? And you can, yeah. you can feel that upon walking into any school house. I mean, don't you think, Adam? I do. And I, I was going to say, boy, in that last uh, 60 seconds of Hal talking, I've got about three quotes that I'm going to be able to use. So thanks for that. That's going to be my next newsletter. Dude, I'll tell you, there's a dude in our group, um, in our men and ed group named Dr. Jeff Springer. And I can tell you, going to his school for the first time, um, I spoke there a number of times when kids weren't there. But the first time I went there to visit some teachers, um, I walk in. I'm telling you, I didn't get two steps in. And I probably had 15 to 20 smiles and waves from kids because they're changing classes, like smiling, like not ignoring me. I don't know anybody in the school. It's 50 miles from my house. And, and, and with kids walking up, Hey, welcome, welcome to the Magnolia high school. Who are you here to see? How can I help you kids? And right there, you know, this is a special place with a special culture, you know, within seconds, just like as educators, you can walk down the hallway, you can step and stand in the doorway of a classroom no matter what's happening, if there's teaching or individual work happening or they're getting ready for the bell, I can tell you what really happens in there just by the feel of it. Same, same thing is true for schools. That's one of the things I like about uh, COVID-19 and the challenges that it's presenting us is how do, we, how do we continue to maintain relationships through a screen or through plexiglass or through, you know, through any of the safeguards that we're going to have to have in place. And uh, Superintendent Joe Sanfilippo from Wisconsin he, uh, he kind of founded the whole hashtag, at least I think, hashtag go, whatever. And he became known for the hashtag go crickets, his, his school's mascots. And uh, so on their six, you know, social distancing, six feet, it's, uh, I forget, if it's 147 crickets is six feet, whatever it is, that's their sign, you know. So they've taken everything to make it personal. They are continuing to still have fun at school and with their messaging and they're, they're, they're going to be safe. But the kids, the students, the teachers, they're the ones that are responsible for that culture. It's not just Joe Sanfilippo, even though, well, he actually, I know him well enough and I've only met him a few times, but he would still tell you he's not responsible for it. He didn't create it. He allowed them to, to move with it. So, yeah. Dude, so much of great leadership, whether it's classroom leadership or campus leadership, really is 
providing the, the getting the right people in there and providing the space and getting out of the way for amazing stuff to happen. But brother, you're right, man. Like now more than ever, what I, what I tell teachers, listen, yeah. When you're in the classroom and you have that classroom family, the kids are in there and they can feel it and they can see what you're doing. And just by the, there's so much body language involved, but this is a time where a teacher, especially in the online instructional world, they have to be able to look right in the hole of the camera and articulate it clearly. Hey, listen, man, that whole thing I told you on the first day of school where I'm your teacher this year, that's a big fat lie. I'm your teacher for the rest of your life. And you need to know this. I love my kids. I love all of my kids forever. And guess what you are? That's right. You're one of my kids. So get used to it. Now let's get to work. They, they have to be because that, that feeling of love is, is what drives kids to perform. I think sometimes people think I'm all about like this kumbaya moment and we're just going to hug each other and talk about unicorns. But dude, like I'm old fashioned. I want teachers teaching and learners learning. What I am saying is if that's really going to happen on the highest level possible, it really has to be built on this foundation of a family classroom where people love and respect and connect with one another. Uh, just a second ago, you were talking about Jeff Springer on the Med and N group. So you've gone from uh, rock star, teach like a rock star to the Men and Ed group, which has really gained momentum. So I haven't been able to participate a lot but I, I, I'm following my, uh, my spreadsheet for my, my summer grind. Uh, and so I'm, I'm on a streak right now, except I broke it yesterday, which stinks, but uh, running a 5K every day for 30 days. So I have one stinking day in there, but I'm, I'm going to do it again today. I'm not going to let that break me. So tell us about that. How, why men and ed? Why not all teachers included or what's going on there? Yeah, man, that's a great question. And, and here's what it comes down to is um, – I don't know, a few months, this has been on my mind for years and I've been talking about it for years. And a few months ago, it really came to fruition in sitting outside of my backyard thinking, remembering back when I was in the, in the classroom and the sense of isolation, I often felt professionally and personally as, as a man. And I think people, they, they understand that because we have so few men left in education and they can see that in the elementary world where there's just not a lot of male teachers in the classrooms, but it, it's even at the, in, in the secondary world too, as well. You know, a, a gentleman might teach, you know, um, social studies or, or, or history, you know, political science. There might be another guy or two on the team, but you know what, man, like that, that's it. And that's the only person they see because they don't hang out with other teams. They're not in other professional development settings. They don't have the same lunch as other guys. So I wanted to put, create a place, a place of community. And when we came together, I, that's when the research finally hit. And that is when you look at the numbers of kids in our schools right now, about 50% of them have a dad who's physically in their life. When you take the 50% that do and you talk to those kids – and this is backed up both by the data and also my anecdotal research of just chit-chatting with kids. The 50% of kids that do have a dad, about half of those are having a really, really good experience. So it gives 25% of kids with an active, influential man in their life. And I believe for kids, they need a variety of leadership. They need a variety of influences. And yeah, kids with single moms can thrive for sure. And, you know, and kids with a one parent home or grandparent home or two parent, you know, what I know is, is the kids that I've seen that achieve the most academically, interpersonally, socially are the ones that have lots of influential forces in their life. And I truly believe 
that um, it's just critical for kids to have someone in their life, a man who loves them, cares about them, is, loves them relentlessly, doesn't give up on them, and they can see what that looks like for number one, for academically for sure, but also so these kids can have a model of how they want to parent when they grow up as well. Powerful. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm glad you guys both brought that up, the men in education group, because I mean, that's, you know, I'm involved in that. Um, uh, pretty involved in that, Hal, as you know, and, and Adam. Um, and I, I, I went from like a 30 minute mile to a seven minute mile. Yeah, it's because, of, it's because of the motivation that I felt, you know, but I, I, I think you're right. I, it's so it's so true about, you know, having men in education and and men in in uh, in young kids lives. You know, um, I was one of those kids who didn't have a strong father figure in my life. You know, my dad moved out to California. Um, we have a great relationship now. Uh, I love him to death. But, um, you know, it was it was difficult growing up. Um, and so I, I strongly believe that um, this group of men is, is together for a number of reasons. And it's just a, a phenomenal um, place to be, including Dr. Jeff Springer. Yes. The repurposed principal of the. <laughs> he, he won't tell you he's retired. He's repurposed. He's repurposed. So Hal, um, you just, you know, we've we got a few minutes left and, and we want to just talk about a couple more things. I mean, what is your, I mean, we've talked about COVID. Um, We've talked about, uh, you know, your role as an educational speaker and consultant. What is your, I mean, what's a, what's a leadership struggle for you, either that you are experiencing now or you, you have experienced and, and worked through it? And how did you do that, man? You know, man, for right now, in terms of leadership in my own personal world, you know, it is, um, this is the most challenging time ever, simply because I, I thrive on not just professionally, but also personally on group interaction. I love the group dynamic. I love the magical, the magical moments that can happen when you bring a group in my world, a group of educators together, and they're all on the same page of what we're trying to accomplish with kids in a classroom. We put them in the same room. They, we all can connect with that together. The excitement then happens, and there's this synergistic emotional effect. And, um, and, and without that, it has been a real challenge. And the question is, how can I deliver my content, my information, and make a difference in a virtual world. Yeah. So what I really had to do is retool everything that I do and present it in such a way where I can still have that transformative effect on a group of people, even though we're at a distance. And so a lot of that comes down to where what it used to be was um, on stage, you know, whether that is the theatrics of the physical nature of the performance. And now it is, you know, so much of it is about sound and intonation and, you know, distance from the camera, you know, and trying to figure out a way to translate that so I can have that same kind of impact that we did in person. Mm. In addition to that, it's also pivoting in such a way that I can provide educators with and leaders, school leaders with not just what they think they want, but what they need, which has always been um, kind of the theme, you know, when August rolls around and schools will call and they'll say, Hey, can Hal come out on August 15th and kick off the school year? And we say, yeah, okay, here's what we want them to cover. And we'll stop them right there. Hey, listen, yeah. we're not going to give you what you want. We're going to give you exactly what you need. And, and it's the same time and the same thing. And just like, you know, we get caught up in thinking what our teachers need are certain logistical things and processes and procedures. And yes, they, are, they have a concern about that. But 
what I tend to be, to be, you know, exceptionally um, in touch with is what they need so they can kick off the year. And again, man, launch into this thing with a new sense of purpose and passion for making a difference in the lives of kids. Good. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? So doing it uh, through a virtual world, is that even an option right now for you? Is, I mean, can a school, yeah. you know, book you for that? Yeah, we're doing a lot of those. And so I have conferences coming up in, uh, well, I think the next one's in Montana, which I am, I'm just so sick because I so want to go to Montana and experience that whole, you know, place and, and meet those guys that I've connected with in the Mennonite out there. And then, so yeah, so all of August, so typically what I'll do in August, I'll be on the road for, you know, I, I leave on Sunday, I'm on the road Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, come home, do laundry, sleep on Saturday, get back on the road on Sunday for a month. And, um, so now it looks like I'll be putting on a clean shirt, keeping on my shorts on my dad Crocs and, uh, and getting in front of the camera and going uh, school to school virtually. Wow. Wow. Just, just repurposing, you know, and, and re, you know, trying to just uh, re- remain hopeful and positive and, and uh, you know, just re- repurpose and rebrand yourself. I mean, that's what we all had to do. And Adam mentioned it earlier, you know, not that, not that we're thankful for COVID, but one thing that COVID has, has, um, has brought about is the creativity. I mean, to, to the nth degree, I mean, um, I've not seen so much creativity. So we, it's we, true, man, even in my own business, man, the, I'll tell you what, one thing I've been wanting to do for at least I can date this back at seven or eight years is that every performance, somebody will come up and say, Oh my gosh, I would love to do what you do. How do you do that? And, or I'll be in a school and this is true for every school I've ever been to. I'll be walking down the hall and I'll pass by some teacher's classroom, and it is some epic, heroic, superhero educator. And like, oh my, why do you have me here talking to you people? That's the person you need to listen to. That lady right there is killing it. And I always think, man, I wish I could put together something to help them get started so they can take their expertise and get it out there to make an impact in the lives of teacher, because that's the cool thing about professional development is the exponential impact. But like, I love, you know, the trade-off is I don't get to be, I don't get to do what I love the most, which is hang out with kids. The trade-off is the exponential impact I can have by going around the country and working with teachers. And there's so many teachers that could do that same thing. And they're so good. And now I've put the, now I've been able to put together a, a you know, kind of a, a mentoring program for them to help them get that, that, that whole um, game launched for them. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Tell, tell us, Sal, um, what do you, what do you, I think I know what you're going to say, but maybe not. Uh, what are you hopeful for? What am I hopeful for? Oh yeah, my what, gosh. What, what brings you hope right now? You know what it is, is this, um, people think I'm crazy. I don't care. So in Houston, we had this thing, uh, Hurricane Harvey happening. Oh, it was a couple of years ago, seems like. And it, you talk about a devastation to a city. And um, I would never wish that again. People six, seven, eight feet of water, hundreds of thousands of people. And um, it was, the, the devastation was unbelievable. On the back end of that was the most beautiful moments of compassion and help and um, just bringing people together that I would never imagine could come together and love one another. Wow. What I'm hopeful for is that on a whole nother level with COVID. I know this is an, a, so much unrest in our country and this is a challenging time, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the, 
divisiveness that is happening and how things are politicized. But man, am I hopeful. I just know it because there's this indirect relationship with the valley of the wave as there is with the crest. The trough of the wave is deep. The crest on the other side of that is going to be extremely high. And I know at some point we're going to go, the tides are going to turn. We're going to go up and hit the crest. And it is going to be a beautiful moment where a country comes together, people come together, and, uh, and we'll see the kind of uh, love and interaction that we haven't seen before. Wow, that's powerful. And I think you could probably uh, attach that to uh, our students that we talked about earlier today. Uh, they, they came into the world around September 11th. And I remember our country uniting around those tragic events. And then somehow we kind of moved away from that. So I want to keep, I don't want any of these things to go in vain. I want them. So I want COVID to be, you know what? Sure. It's awful. I have a, I have a really good friend that lost his life due to COVID-19. I want to make sure that none of these things happen in vain. So let's keep that momentum going. Let's keep that love just channeled into uh, the good things that can move our, our momentum uh, forward all the time. I think that's powerful. I'm with you. So as we approach the end, I have two quick questions. Actually, it's going to be three things. So Hal, can you tell how we can reach you? How can our listeners reach you? Yeah, for sure, man. I'm uh, halbowman.com, H-A-L-B-O-W-M-A-N.com, and all the platforms at Hal Bowman. Well, that's easy. That's what easy as it gets. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one is, this one, Jeff doesn't, this wasn't in any of his uh, notes in preparation for this, but Uh-oh. have you ever been behind the Cheddar Curtain all the way to northern Wisconsin? I don't even know what you're talking about, to be honest with you. And um, I believe last, if, if I'm, you know, I haven't been, I didn't, I wasn't born in Texas, but if I was to think like a Texan, they would say, Wisconsin, that's up in the panhandle of Texas. Isn't that, a, that's by Amarillo. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's close, a little bit north, but yeah, it's close. So we should maybe make it a, a thrust to get you to, uh, to Wisconsin, to get you behind the Cheddar Curtain where it's safe. I would love it, man. You bring me up there and we'll make some awesome things happen. All right. Well, bring an appetite and, a, and, a, and we'll quench your thirst and give you some cheese. Absolutely. <laughs> Gotta have cheese. <laughs> yeah. So last thing for you, Hal. Yeah. If you were in the elevator and I just moved my daughter into the 45th floor in Chicago. So her and her husband are moved in, which I thought was going to be a little, you know, tumultuous, but there's no stairs. You just take the elevator. So it was actually easier in the long run. So what's your one minute elevator speech? Because it takes about a minute to get from the first floor to the 45th floor in her apartment building. So What's the one minute message you want to leave with us and our listeners today? You know, man, I think, um, you know, when you get down to it, man, this is, this is a time unlike any before where we have to really get clear with, with our purpose and what we want to do, like what is the impact that we want to have, not just with our kids, but everyone in that school building, man. I always talk about it. You know, I think, yeah, we want to, as educators, we want to make a difference in the lives of kids for sure. But man, I don't want to stop there. It should be everybody, everywhere we go. In the mentoring program I taught, we talked about 24, seven, 365. And that was your senior year in high school and we, and you're what we call pal. You, you, listen, man, you, yeah, you're a pal for nine months in this program, but it doesn't stop here. It is for the rest of your life, 24-7, 365. The only difference is that I'm not going to assign you a kid to pal up and to mentor. You pick them. Now, you don't have to tell them. Like, that, like you don't, don't go up and be weird. Hey, man, I'm about to change your life. You just secretly ninja mentor people everywhere you go. 
And I think in our profession of education, sure, it's about kids, but it's also that teacher next door that is struggling. It's also about the custodian. It's also about our food service workers. It's also about the secretary, the principal. Everybody, every go, every everywhere we go, that's that's the person that we are supposed to have an impact on and love relentlessly. And I think when we can do that, man, that's when we can have just this unbelievable monumental impact on the lives of people. And it doesn't stop there because those people go out and impact everyone else. And here's the last thing I hope your listeners will do. Man, so years ago, the, the research was done and they calculated that on average, everybody walking around the planet will have an impact on 10,000 lives. From the time they're born to the time they're done, they will have an impact on 10,000 lives from the first breath until the last, 10,000. So what I hope your educators will do think to in their classrooms, in their schools, how many kids do you have? For you, Dr. Prickett, how many kids, how many people are in your school? In my school, about 700 or so. So that's 700, right? But it's not the 700, it's the 700 times the 10,000. So what we're talking about is 7 million people walking around every day. And you haven't been there one year. How many years have you been there? Three. So we're talking about just in those three years at just that school, we're talking about 21 million people on the planet. So I'm telling you in this profession, there is no other profession on the planet where you can have this kind of impact on not just a kid, not just a person, but on a family, on a, on a, on a legacy of a family, on a community, on a country, on the, on the world from teaching school in front of the classroom day in and day out for those kids. Man, that's awesome. Way over one minute, though. Yeah, yeah. the elevator crashed. <laughs> Somebody's waiting on it. The buzzer's going off. <laughs> Charlie in the great glass elevator, man. That thing just shattered through the glass. Yeah. Room. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Well, what a great, what a great uh, story, Hal. What a great uh, impact that you've had um, on so many lives. I mean, think about the ten thousand life impact, and 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 this is what this is what educators strive to do, right? I mean, we 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 strive to. We got into this business as cliche as it sounds, but it's so true to make the, make a difference in the lives of, of kids. No matter what your role is in the school, you make a difference in the lives of kids. And I think that's, for me, one of the most important takeaways is that, is that uh, no matter your role in the school, you're, you're a teacher. You, your kid comes to the front desk, you're, that, that person is their teacher. Kids talking to the custodian, that custodian is the teacher right then. Like, what impact can you have on, on, on a kid's life that day and on the other adults that, that, are, that you're working with? you know, in the building. Hey man, let me leave you with one thing for here's, here's a challenge for you two guys and for any other principals. Yeah. Come on. I believe, I truly believe this is the year. I believe it every year, but this is more than ever. Our educators need to have clear evidence that what would, that what they're doing is working. You know, so often the work educators do, you know, is subjective. We think it's not because we can show them achievement graphs and charts and attendance and all kinds of, we can, but that's not what they signed up to do. They signed up to make a difference in the lives of kids. And that is really super subjective. So it's to being creative and find ways that we can prove to them so they can see it, that this kid's life is changing because of your work with them as teachers. 
that is like this supersonic nitrous fuel for them as educators. You know how it is, man. Like, you know how like you're stressed out and it, and it is hard, but then you'll see some kid in the Walmart. Hey, and you're like, ah, they say, thanks so much. Oh my God, you're welcome. And now you're fueled up for another month because you had a two second interaction with a kid. Well, if we can give them opportunities for that now more than ever in this, for most teachers around here will be online. It is critical that they can see that they're making a difference because that's why things got hard for teachers when kids start dropping off and not attending online classes and they weren't connecting with them that's when things got hard i think that's the challenge for school leaders moving forward as we kick off this uh this this new year with filled with new opportunities yeah i hate challenges because i'm a sucker for them so you know i love (laughs) to compete so jeff one year from today we're gonna have to call this guy al bauman back and say uh, what was the clear evidence that we have that our teachers made an impact because they wanted to? What's the clear evidence? So we're going to have to call you back, Al. Are you okay with that? Man, you should be doing that within the first three days of school. Call right. me back after th- after day three. Yeah, so right. It'll be too much information to share in one episode <laughs> a year later. So, <laughs> What is the clear evidence? that That's what we're looking for. What's the clear evidence? You, know, you reminded me of something you said there, Baruta Cafele. Um, author, principal, he wrote a book, uh, talks about, is your school better because you are the principal, right? Yes. That's what we should be asking, you know, is your school better because you're in it, no matter what your role, principal, teacher, custodian, secretary, lunch lady, whatever. Let me me just say this thing, dude, and I I know you keep trying to hang up on me, I don't care. This is important, man. I think here's, here's what I know to be true, is we are so numb to these, these epic, magical, life-changing mountaintop moments that happen every day because we see it every day, all day long, we are numb to it and we don't recognize it. So we have to get in the frame of mind. And I, you know, I, I, here's what I, any regularly when school was in session, we would, there'd be some post on social media where there would be an assistant principal, you know, on his, on his knees, hugging a first grader, was having a meltdown and that photograph goes viral. And that's great. I think it should. Yeah. But what I want people to know, that happens thousands of times across our nation every day. I'm glad that that that, that assistant principal and that kid can represent what's happening. But, the, you know, and, and people are like, oh, look how cute. Hey, man, that, that happens every day, yeah. thousands of times. And I think if we can get better at keeping it at the forefront of our mind and being conscious to not overlook those magical moments and move on and to help a teacher stop in their tracks and say, Hey, listen, let's think about what happened in this moment. That kid that just got a hundred on the spelling test. It's the only hundred they ever got in their entire life. Can you imagine that feeling? Let's celebrate that. That kid is now addicted to making hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. What a great way to end. Hal Bowman. Thanks for your time. It's been a Thank pleasure. You, we appreciate you. Uh, for Adam and I both, the Principal Leadership Lab, we out. Thanks. See you next time. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Principal Leadership Lab. Feel free to connect with us in between episodes on Twitter and on Instagram. All of our information is included within our show notes. Until next time, this is Adam signing off for the Principal Leadership Lab.